Amen, amen. If you don't know that goodness of God, we're so glad that you're here. Um, it is real and it is available. If you do know that goodness of God, um, then it's another beautiful day to live in it, uh, to learn in it. And it's such a, it's such a uh, man, I, I'm, I was on sabbatical for three months. This is my third or fourth week back. It's just so good. I'll never take it for granted. It's just so good to even be here. But I'm going to stir the pot to start us off a little bit here. Um, and maybe it's just a conflict in my house, but I bet not. I believe that this word no is just a gift from God. It's just a beautiful word. What I love about the word no is it's so clear, right? It's so absolute. Let me give you an example. We have three kids. They're all teenagers. But when they were younger especially, they would come up to their mother, my wife, Kelly, and they would ask something crazy. Can we go so-and-so today? Can we go to Chick-fil-A or can we go see a movie? And it was like, you know, a weekday. It was like not happening. Like there's 0% chance. We already had a schedule. We already had a day. It's nothing wrong with the question. They were asking, can we go? And my wife, God bless her, would often say, you know, we'll see. Oh, that's such a bad answer, right? Because she didn't want to say no. She just wanted to say, we'll see. And we had to have that conversation of like, why do you say we'll see? We won't see. We know. Like, it's a perfect time just to say. And then, and she, you know, she's taught me 10 times what I've taught her. But in that, she started to not say we'll see. But sometimes in her, she just couldn't say. So she would say, you know, honey, um, probably not today. But maybe later in the week, we can do that thing right? And I'm like, don't say probably not today. It's not a probably not. It's a 0% chance. All you're doing, all their little ears here is, and that's when they come back later, like, but you promised we could go. You, they never promised, but anything other than, it's just a tailor-made situation for this beautiful two-letter word that leaves no hope. That's what I love about no. No. He's like, well, she's like, well, why don't you, why not say no, but maybe later? Because they didn't ask maybe later. They said, can we go today? The answer to that question is no. You don't need to say anything else no absolutely not back to work right that's all it's a beautiful word that god has given now now somebody may be thinking careful now pastor because if you're if you're if you're going to be uh, all about this word no like we're a church right and if everybody starts to fall in love with this word no we're going to have some problems around here right because we're a church that's built on on people you know Loving God and knowing God first, but out of that doing, right? There's a lot of, hopefully somebody helped you get in the parking lot. Hopefully somebody said hi to you if you got kids. Somebody received them and is taking good care of them right now. These people work hard all week to lead us and work. Like there's a lot of people, right? So I acknowledge that and, and we need to say yes to not, we don't need to say yes to everything, right? Um, but we need to say yes to some things. But here's, here's where we are if you're new to our church. Uh, man, we're a church built on the get to not the have to, right? So, right, so let me be real, real, real with you. Um, when, when every time I've been in a church setting on a church staff or friends in other churches, pastors, every time they have to go to the stage and say one of two things, hey, church, if y'all don't sign up, we're going to quit holding your babies, right? Or on the financial end, if, they, if you ever get to the point of saying, hey, if you like what's going on here, you got to give some money or we're not going to be able to keep doing what we're doing. Every time we get to that place, from what I know in churches, it's over. Right? It's already over. So we are, we are a get to, not a have to. And I just want to encourage you. We had such a good night in here on Monday night. We do this orientation. If, if you're new to Relentless, it's one of your first steps. Um, it's called Welcome to Relentless. Uh, we, did, we did three this year. We did the last one of 2022 on Monday night. We'll do another one in January, which is like good grief right around the corner. But this is just like a, a, a huge night for our church just to, you know, we're, we're about new people. And um, we had 15 here Monday night. And, and for the year, for the three Welcome to Relentlesses, we did around 50 people came through those this, this 2022 which is crazy, right? 50 people in this year, not, not people that have been with us forever. These are new people. And then, man, Monday night was just such a... Be I want you, if you're a part of this church, I want you to be encouraged by what God's doing. It was such a beautiful group, uh, diverse, not just uh, racially diverse, but geogra geographically 
divert. Like we had people, just in our little 15 people, we sat right here in the front, so I keep pointing up here. We, we had people from, uh, just moved here from New York. We had people from Texas. We had people from Mississippi. We had people from Florida, Ohio, California, right? We had one lady from Liberia in our, in our little group. And, and, that's, and we had one brother, he's in the room. He was born and raised all, Holly Springs, right? <laughs> that is hard to find, right? So, so it's beautiful. But it wasn't just where they were from. It was just this heart, right? And we'll see what God does with, with that group. But, but it, it seemed like it was a group of folks ready to go, right? Ready to jump in, looking for a church to, to be a part of and to serve. So, so I'm not worried. I'm not worried about people saying no too much. I really know our, from what I know of our church, I worry much more about us saying yes too much. Because when you say yes to good things, sometimes it forces you to miss the best things. And as far as what's in that best thing bucket, I, I think serving the church of Jesus is in that bucket. So today's message is called the beauty of no in a culture of yes. The beauty. I want us to fall in love with that word no, but not, we're not going to talk about what you say to your kids when they ask questions that you know the answer to. That's not what this is about. It's not even about busyness or schedule. We talk about that and it's a different message. We're, we're in this series, It Factor. Right? And, and we talked about this, this phrase in, in, in culture, like they got that it factor. What is it? And I don't get it. And we just said last week, if you don't get it, then you don't have it. Right? Because it is just this un, unexplainable, we can't really pinpoint it, it's just this thing. Well, we're using the word it from Scripture, and we believe that this it has the potential to change your life and our church. And we unpacked that last week, that it from Titus 2.11 uh, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So that was the whole message last week, the grace of God, because our verse this week starts with it, but it refers back to this verse, for the grace of God. And we've been doing uh, relentless homework, which I'm really liking. Um, I, I don't know if you're, if you're doing your homework. We're never going to, here's what we're never going to do. Raise your hand if you read, Ephes we're not going to do that. It's, like it's between you and the Lord, but uh, we read Ephesians 3 this week uh, as a church, or at least some of us did, and Man, the, the grace of God that we unpacked last week, it's, it comes down to your standing with God. That's why we sing. The reality again today, Lord, I need you. You're so good. You're the king of my heart. Why do you deserve that? Because you've made me whole. You've made me clean. You've made me free. And in the Old Testament, there's just verse after verse after verse after verse of what you had to do to stay clean. It was impossible to stay clean, and it was so easy to be unclean. If, you, if I was unclean, now you're all unclean because you've been in the room with me. You've got to go outside. You've got to stay away from people for seven days. It was kind of like COVID protocols to the millionth degree, right? You just could not stay clean. Was, and then you had to do all these offerings, sacrifice, go to the temple, constant, constant. Then you were clean, and you do everything right, and then somebody brushes up against you who wasn't clean, and now you're unclean again. It was just constant. And you think, man, what kind of God? Kind of God just has all these rules and all this stuff, but in his brilliance, it was all a setup because he knew that we were unclean and he knew that he had a plan from the beginning to send Jesus the once and for all sacrifice so we would never have to strive to be clean. That our striving could die at the cross, that he became our sin, our punishment, our ransom, our payment, our debt, all of that so we could live now that he looks at me this morning as he looks at you if you belong to Jesus. He looks at you and he sees clean, forgiven, free. It's our standing. So in Ephesians 3 this week, if you read it, it's talking about the mystery of this gospel and it's talking about this word inheritance, the craziness that Gentiles are now co-heirs with the Jews, this, the people of Israel that were promised all these things, the Messiah and, and, and inheritance of forever in heaven, now we are co-heirs. We're not stepkids. Like we are co-heirs, children, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the king. And it's freed us. It's this standing. And there's this beautiful verse in Ephesians 3, verse 12. In that, when he's talking about our standing, he says, in him, Jesus, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Man, we, we, we talk about this a lot. Can we just remind, if, if there's, you know, there's a room back here behind the screen, if somehow, some way, the God of the universe that created all things, Jesus himself, if they're back there hanging out in physical form and we're going to make a single file line and everybody's going to get a minute with God, as you're walking down those steps, like what's in your heart? Right, because we're, we get to approach him 
if you understand the gospel and grace and who he says you are and what happened on the cross through the resurrection of Jesus, um, defeat of death, if you understand that, then you get to come to him with freedom, I'm free, and confidence. That's a big deal. Now, now not like flippant, right? I still don't know how I feel. We might be divided as a church. Remember those uh, shirts in Christian world 20 years ago? Some of you remember like all the stuff that said, Jesus is my homeboy, Right? You see, I don't know, I still don't know how I feel about that because, you know, I don't know if Jesus is my homeboy, right? Because Jesus came and died a brutal death on a cross and raised from the dead. He is the Son of God and He is my King, right? He is my Master. But I kind of get what they're trying to get to. We don't want to be flippant or, or silly about it. It's nothing silly. But we're supposed to, be, if you understand the gospel, freedom and confidence is how you approach God. If you don't have any freedom or confidence with God, then you're not standing in your standing. You're not sitting in the grace that God has poured on you. Well, well, how could I go to God? He knows what I've done. That's the point. That's why he sent Jesus. So you could be free. If it's up to your performance, like that's religion. How'd I do this week? I can come in here and sing boldly. I had a good week. Stop. We We approach with freedom and confidence because of what he did and because what he said that did to us so that's the it factor the grace of god we did that last week we're going to talk about grace we're doing a whole small group an entire small group about we talked last week about it's not second grade stuff it's phd it's the entryway it's the it's the end it's everything you never graduate from grace Right, this is what changes your life, and you're like, man, I want, like, that's what this next small group is about. We'll be in this room. If we got a bunch of people, we'll have a bunch of small groups in this room, sitting in circles, talking about through stuff. We're preaching grace. This is a monologue for the most part. I wish you guys would talk a little more 9 a.m., but small group is like, I'll talk a little bit, and then we'll discuss, and for four weeks, we'll talk about how grace should and can and will change your everyday life. That's the details, starting not this Tuesday. But a week from Tuesday, 6.30, 7.50, we'd love for you to sign up so we kind of have an idea. That's all on the website. Man, there's so much stuff to sign up for right now. We went through a season, right? We, are, we were meeting here. I was preaching to a camera. Oh, my goodness, I don't miss that at all. All right, then we started to trickle back, and we would have announcements. We'd be like, what can we announce? Uh, I don't know. Uh, online again next week, right? So it's so good to have this stuff, like the small groups, are this men's stuff. We got nine men signed up for men's retreat. Now, if you know our church and our men, for a month out, that's really good. We're going to have a lot more than that, but here's what I'm going to do. This is not, this is not shaming. We're going we're gonna to give you the number every week. We're going to see where we go. We're, we're at nine. We haven't really said the number till right now, so we got four weekends, right? So we'll see that number grow or shrink. We'll see, but hopefully grow. I haven't signed up yet, so I know we're going to get to double figures this week. I'll tell you where we're at. Next week, the women's stuff, like you guys heard that earlier in the service, get, get on board with that. But let's get into this it factor. What does it do? Here's the next part of the verse. It teaches us. There we go. It teaches us. Not to say no, just to, it teaches us. We're getting way ahead here. Uh, it teaches us. Like a, like a loving parent, right? Like a loving parent. The, the word packed in here to, to teaching us. Uh, it's like a loving parent with correction, with discipline, but in love. So this training, like, now that's kind of weird, right? Because we're talking about it. What is it? It's grace. What, grace is our standing and who we are. What, remember, grace is God giving us something we don't deserve. So, so, so how does something, how does an inanimate thing like grace, how do, well, grace is embodied in the person of Jesus, but this thing of grace is a teacher, it's an instructor. It is a, it is a trainer. It is all those things. By grace, you've been saved, right? But it's not just that you're saved. It's an ongoing instructor, right? It's a, it's a, it's a constant continuing thing. This is so, this is so big because some of you and some of, some of you that are trying to invite people that have not yet come to Relentless, they have a question about us and it's legit. And their question kind of comes out in different ways, but it's some form of this. Hey, I knew somebody who was kind of a wreck. They became a Christian. They followed Jesus. They prayed a prayer. They made a decision. 
They accepted Jesus as the sign I just saw in the corner driving in today. Somebody put the sign, accept Jesus Christ. And then if you stop and get out of your car, you can like get close enough to read the verse under it, but it's going to cause an accident. It's too small. Like if you're going to do a sign, do it in big enough. Anyway, anyway, so they, they know somebody, maybe you know somebody that's made a decision, like they're, they, they, they had a moment and their life was a mess and then their life wasn't such a mess for a little while. And then over time, their life just returned to the same mess. And, and they're not, these aren't, these aren't ugly, like these aren't haters, these aren't anti-people. They're just logically like trying to figure this out. There's a lot of noise spiritually, my goodness. In our culture, there's so much noise. They're just trying to figure it out. And their logic thought is fair. It's, it's, it's to say, hey, if this Jesus is real, and this person's a mess, and then they give themselves to Jesus, and their mess really returns in some ways worse than it was before. Doesn't that kind of say that Jesus isn't legit? Isn't that kind of an indictment? Isn't that kind of a black eye? Isn't that kind of an accusation that Jesus can't really change lives? It's not, but I can see where we might think that because we love life change, right? I look in these, I look in these seats in this room and uh, there's some folks on the stage and just like, man, we love what Jesus is doing in us. We're a church about transformation, not transaction. We're not transactional, genie God, hey, fit. you know, it's, it's transformation day by day. So if, if life change is evidence of Jesus, then is lack of life change evidence of Jesus failing? makes sense to think that way, but here's what it's evidence of. It's evidence of grace not getting an opportunity to teach. When we go back to our mess, when we, and, and sometimes we can, I'm not talking about, this is not a message for you to think about so-and-so. Oh, yeah, that's for you. You're not changing. Like, you can't really tell how, tell how somebody beside you is changing. Right, you got to zoom back, and it's it's really hard in the data, especially if you live with somebody. Oh man, sometimes it's like it's hardest for you to see the change. That's really not your job to evaluate how well your whoever is transforming. Let's look inside of ourselves. When when I go back to my mess, it's evidence that I'm not sitting under my teacher of grace. I'm not sitting in that classroom. I'm not taking grace is the ultimate ongoing CEs. You guys are in jobs that have to take continuing eds, right? I'm I'm not calling people out today cuz people I don't I don't want to people don't come back when I when I call them out. Even for good things. They don't want that. So, but we got a brain, like we got a brain doctor in the in the in the room right now and she was telling me last week this this doctor, the neurosurgeon whatever, I don't know her title, but like she she has to take continuing eds. I'm like you know everything, like you're brain doctor, but you got to keep, if brain doctors got to, like what is our continuing edge? It's not church attendance, it's, not, it's, it's, it's grace. Grace is the instructor. You know, college students, remember, or used to be college students, high school students, you ever had a teacher that comes and they give you all the work for the whole semester on day one and it's laid out there and they, and they just give it to you, all you got to do is like do it? Which sometimes I like those classes, but sometimes I'm thinking... How do you get paid for that? Right? You don't teach me anything. Like, just give me the material and it's my job to go learn it. Like, that's not teaching. Some people think that's what grace is. Grace, like, gets you in. Like, you receive the grace. Grace is a gift. I was saved by grace. And now I'm on to life. No, grace is the teacher. It's the constant instructor of your life. And when we have stories in our own lives where I changed and then I went backwards, it is always a result of trying to leave that classroom. Oh, I've been sitting here long enough. Now I, now I graduated. You're never going to graduate from the class. That's really deflating news education-wise, but spiritually that's beautiful news. We're never going to graduate. We're never going to leave. We're never going to not need the Lord we just sang that we needed. We're going to need to not just need Him, we're going to need to sit under His grace as a teacher. We talk a lot about relationship over religion here. Right? That's the great lie of gospel preaching. 
right? The great lie of gospel preaching and, and me and my younger days and many pastors are scared to go all in on the gospel is because of the lie that if I preach the full uninhibited, your standing with God has changed, you're free, rescued, and adopted. If I preach that gospel, and people are going to get slick. People are going to say, well, if, if God sees me as this, then I can do whatever I want. Right? Because He's already made me this, and now I can go do whatever I want, and they're going to take advantage. That's what people are so scared of. But the reality is the opposite. Grace is the teacher. It never teaches you to take advantage or to mock or to you. You're not. You're, that's not where grace is going to take, take, take you. As long as we're sitting under grace, we don't have to worry about that. So what does it teach us? Now you first service, you already know because we put it on the screen. All right. You might not like this word, but I tried to set you up at the beginning of the message. It's a beautiful word. It teaches us to say no. Check this out. We spent a whole week last week preaching the gospel, right? We, we got, I didn't tell you this, we got baptism Sunday coming up in two weeks, right? We got people that are making decisions for Jesus and in the scripture, when someone for the first time not believes in Jesus, but surrenders their life to Jesus, the response to that is baptism. We got people making that decision. It's beautiful. So we spent a whole week unpacking the grace of God. Now we get to verse 12. It is a teacher. Okay, what does it teach us? Teach me, Professor Grace. It teaches us to say no. It's a beautiful word. Say no to what? To overcommitting to our kids? No, no, no. Specifically, it teaches us to say no to two things. Here they are from Titus 2, 12. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Hmm ungodliness, those are big words, worldly passions. I don't think I had a really good understanding of this word ungodliness. Right? I, I kind of had some thoughts of seeing it in Scripture. It's a lot of places, but ungodliness is living as if there is no God. But it's, it's less atheistic and more irrelevant. You know what I'm saying? It's less... There's no God. I don't believe in that. It's less that and more. There may be a God, or maybe I even believe in a God, but I'm living my day-to-day, -day, my Monday morning. If you studied and saw a video of my week, there would be no evidence that God has any impact on my life. There's no relevance of whatever He is or wherever He is. There's no relevance of that to me. Right? If I said... If I, now, this is awful. <laughs> if I said... On the count of three, name, name a celebrity that you think just completely encapsulates ungodliness. All right? Now, we're not going to do that. That ain't right. <laughs> That's judgmental. That ain't, but, like, somebody, you already, I, it's my fault, right? I put some, somebody's in your head right now, right? We're not doing that. But, but, and I don't pick on this guy to call him out. But I just think, I bet this name is in anybody's head, but I just was watching a documentary, and he, like, defined it. So it's his own word, so I, you know, I pray that he changes. He's 90-something years old. I'm, I love uh, investing and stock market stuff. He's, he's, like, pretty much agreed the best investor of our lifetime. His name's Warren Buffett. And he says in this documentary, I have no idea. What happens when I die? If there is a God or isn't a God, maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know. And since I don't know, I just live absent from that. I'll find out here soon. That's ungodliness. Living as if. Is, on your Tuesday, if God gives us this Tuesday, whatever that is, what, October 4th, if it comes to us this Tuesday, is there going to be any evidence in your life and decision-making, that there's a God. If not, that would be what Scripture refers to as ungodliness. Now, here's the good news. Like, relax. Some of you got all tense when I talk about Warren Buffett, right? Here's the good news. We all have some of that attraction to, to ungodliness in us. Otherwise, we wouldn't really need a teacher, right? So it may be a little different than you, than me, but there's something about your life and there's definitely something in my life, in my heart, that there's something deep down there that at times 
I'm attracted to live ungodly. I'm attracted to live as if there is no God. I kind of sometimes like the idea that I'm my own authority. That I get to decide what I do and who I am and what I'm about and nobody can really tell me different. There's a part of me that's drawn to that. That's okay. Why? Because grace teaches. The standing of what God has done for us, it just doesn't save us and rescue us and adopt us. Now it teaches us to say no, specifically to this idea that comes at all of us in different ways, that I don't need anybody or anything. Grace teaches, Lord, I need you. It's not just a song. It teaches us to say that, to apply that. It teaches us to say, God, I cannot bear the weight of my world revolving around myself. I cannot, there's something good and attractive about self-centeredness, but man, when I taste it, I just can't bear the weight of life being about me. It's not what I was made for. You know, we got the mental health is like everywhere, right? Everybody's talking about mental health. We did a whole, we're for mental health. We did a six-week series in the pandemic about mental health, right? It's really important, but, but what the world is missing on mental health is the purpose of it. Right? If the purpose of it is so that I can feel better about myself, if I take the mental health day or the spa day or the vacation day or I get rid of toxic people in my life, which I don't know how you do that on this earth completely, but anyway, if I do all the things that you're supposed to do, which I, I think are good, I think those are good things, if I do all that just so that I can rest up and we believe in rest, if I can do all that just so I can breathe so that I can what? Feel good? People are so frustrated because they're doing all the mental health stuff and their mental health isn't improving. Why? Because you weren't made to live for yourself. You were made to live for the good of others. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So you need your rest. You need to Sabbath. You need to be smart. You need to escape. You need to turn off the phone. We need all of that stuff so that we can then be filled up to then again give out. If we're getting filled up and we're not giving out, it's not going to help your mental health. Right? The, the, the middle school way we taught this is if you eat and eat and eat all week and you never go to the bathroom, ain't going to go well. Right? We've got some constipated Christians in here. Some things we don't even ask. Right? I talked about that at the beginning. Like my kids would ask this question. Like so now my kids are teenagers. Some things they don't even ask. Right? Because they know the answer. There, there must be a question here for, for Scripture through the Holy Spirit to get Paul to write this letter to Titus and say in it, that grace teaches us to say no. If, if, if it wasn't a temptation, then we wouldn't need to be taught to say no. So starting tomorrow morning, maybe, maybe don't even wait, maybe today, but especially tomorrow morning, what have you started your day with? God probably, somehow on this Monday, I'm going to have some moments or some, I'm going to have some times where I'm tempted just to live on my own strength apart from you. It's not that I'm turning my back on you. It's not that I'm rejecting you. It's not that I'm losing faith in you. I'm just going to have a, a temptation to do things my way on my own. Would you help me say no? Grace, would you teach me because of my standing and your patience and your kindness and you're going to love me no matter what. Teach me through your grace to say no to ungodliness. It's not just ungodliness. There's a second thing right there. Worldly passions. Right, this word passions is, is a beautiful Greek word uh, called epithumia. Right? Say that after me. Epithumia. So back in the day, nobody does this anymore. Grandma would say, what'd you learn at church today? Nobody asked that anymore, right? But if somebody asked you this week, what'd you learn at church? Just give them that word. You look really smart. You don't just walk, just say epithumia. Just walk away. It'd be awesome. Right? It's a, it's a translation of passions. Now, passions is not a bad word. Right? God gave us passion. We, we, we believe we should live life with passion. I love passion in an athlete. We should be athletically passionate. We should be academically passionate. We should be artistically passionate. We should be romantically passionate. To be real, most of us would not be here without some epithumia, if you know what I'm saying. It's nothing, there's nothing wrong with passion. It's from God. But this is saying that grace teaches us to say no to worldly passions. These desires that are, what is a worldly passion? It's, it's not from God. It goes with the ungodliness. It's passions 
that are opposite of godly, that are rooted in a world without, if we had a world without authority, without a God, without a plan, if it really was random, then there's these passions that rise up that there's, there's no moral, there's no, there's no uh, standard, there's no nothing. It's just whatever you think, you think, whatever I think, I think, you do you and me do me, right? That's worldly passions, passions that are not rooted in God. And guess what? We all have them. I think we could go so far, Relentless Church, if we would just stop pretending like you're the one person that's never had a worldly passion. That may be different than mine. I'm sure we got all kinds. But there are things that we, we don't even want to sometimes. But man, it's a primal, instinctive, and those words, primal, instinctive, the world loves those words, right? They celebrate that. We have whole shows right? And that's a whole nother message. But some of you, you're, you believe this message. You believe this, wor- this verse. It teaches me to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And then you're pumping music and media and TV shows that not just as like a side, their whole core of the show is ungodliness and worldly passions. Like the whole point of the, the way it gets ratings, I'm not going to mention your show like that. You got to figure out what that is. Not hard. The whole construct of the show is not just showing, we're celebrating this primal, instinctive, lustful, like, like the world loves that, right? We all have an attraction in us. Otherwise, we wouldn't need to be taught. And grace, thank God, teaches us. It teaches us to say no to these passions that are of the world and not of God. Right? And there's, world, there's those that are clear in Scripture that we don't need to debate. Right? They're just clear. They're absolute. I'm married to that woman, amazing woman back there. My romantic sexual passion, not 98.5, not 99.1, 100% of my sexual attraction should go to my wife. No other woman in my life, no other woman in this church, no other woman in this neighborhood, no other woman on the internet, no other woman anywhere, 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 100%. That's just clear. And if you're a married man, it's clear for you as well. Now, there's some other worldly passions that are specific. Right, you know, you know we, we have so many teachers for, in, our, in our Relentless Church, and just, man, I just think that's a powerful, beautiful job, but super hard. Counselors, administrators, teachers. You know what? One of the signs of a great instructor is the ability to look at the room and look at a row and think, man, they're going to learn this way, but this student is going to need a little something else. I need to say it a different way. Grace is a personalized, specialized instructor. We say God knows your name. Well, grace knows how to teach you specifically. And grace is going to teach you some things that's not, like there's going to be different. There's some things that all of us, that's a worldly passion, God says no. There's some things that are true for you that may not be true for me. Well, how are we going to know the difference? That's the relationship. Religion is, hey, here's what everybody, that's why I did not list a show. I didn't start naming shows because the reality is some shows are going to send some of you down a bad path and others, you know, maybe not. And the Holy Spirit is involved in teaching. Here's a, here's a great example. I love fantasy football. Love it. Two and one, gonna be three and one in a couple hours. Right? You know, right? And it's been a beautiful thing since it was been invented. And, and, and I knew uh, uh, going back a few months that, that we were gonna have uh, an opening, which is a big deal. And I pray, like I seriously, I pray about like that, th- those things. And, and there's a guy in, in the church that I just uh, had been doing some life with. And I reached out, said, hey, would, uh, what do you think? You want, if, we, if we have a spot, you wanna. And he came back and he, he told me this whole thing of, like, man, I don't know, and this is going to sound weird, he said, but before I became a Christian, fantasy football was bad for me. Like, I was angry, I was obsessive, like, it, it got way too much of my heart, and it was just, it was bad for me. Then I became a Christian, and I haven't played since. Now, that's been a few years, he said, but I don't know. Let me pray about it, right? And I was like, Really? We're praying about fancy? No, no. I was, I was like, 
I was like, yes, I love that, right? I love, like, pray about it because it's one of two things. Either God's going to redeem fantasy football, which isn't evil, right? He's going to redeem that because it was a problem before you knew Jesus. Now you know Jesus. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Or, or it's going to be this beautiful opportunity for you to say no. And God always honors that. He got back to me a few days later and says, man, I just, I don't, th- I, I don't think, I don't think this is, I'm going to have to say no. Man, I love it. I love it. And that's, that's something. And, and when I, I got permission, right, can, can I talk about this from stage this week? And he says, it was grace. He didn't even, you know, even know all that was being said. He said it was, it, was, it was nothing but grace. Just, man, would you sit in the classroom of grace and be excited that he's going to, Jesus is going to lead you to say no to some things that, that maybe some other people don't have to say no to or don't need to say no to, and that's always a win, and it's alive. It's a relationship, not religion. It's not me, the pastor up here. Hey, here's what we don't watch at Relentless Church. Here's what we don't do. Fancy football wouldn't be on that list, but it's on his list. Why? Because grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion. We need a culture in this church because it ain't out there. We need a culture in this church that applauds that. When men and women, young men and young women, not so young men, not so young women, when they say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, not in a self-righteous, look at us, pat us on the back. No, 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 no. Just in a man, just among us, yes, we applaud that no. Right? We, We need to feel encouragement. Like we're not the only one because it's a culture of yes. The culture says, Every, whatever you want, whatever you want to go, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to watch, whatever you want to spend, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to read, whatever. yes! And it's even in the Christian culture, oh, Jesus, he's good, he's grace, he's forgiven. We all have struggles. Yes! We got to get a culture where we applaud each other when we say, you know what, grace is teaching me to say no. Right? So thank you for saying no, John Spatana fantasy football right that's where you're supposed to applaud apply what i just taught you apply we were applauding him he he, he gave me permission I, i don't do that i never tell a story about you without your permission it teaches us to say no we're gonna have moments of passion right in that moment of passion we've tried i've tried we've tried being taught by shame We've even taught young people in the church sometimes, not this church, but back in the day. I taught young people like, hey, here's going to be the temptation that comes, and here's what's going to happen if you give into it. We've tried to scare them. We've tried to shame them. We've tried to guilt them. And sometimes we get what we want behaviorally for a minute, and we lose all of them as soon as they leave the house. Grace, shame, fear, they're just bad teachers. But grace is the beautiful, I hope I didn't say that wrong, shame, guilt, and fear are bad teachers. Even when they, even when they work, they don't work. Even when we behave well because of shame, fear, and guilt, they don't work, not long term. Grace changes us, it teaches us, and it stays with us. I know we've been in Ephesians, but um, we're changing up our homework. All right, so we're going to Galatians because it just goes with where we're at. And it goes with where we're going to go in small group a little bit too. So Galatians 5 and 6. Uh-oh, two chapters. Come on, pastor, two chapters. Come on, seven days. If you, and we're, we don't even know if you're reading it, so chill. Galatians 5 and 6 this week. Galatians 5 and 6, man, they, they helped me so much in, in sabbatical. Just work through some things and trying to figure out some things. And I don't know, I want to get into all that. But, but sometimes I, I feel like... like we sound like we believe in karma, right? The Hindu karma like goes around, comes around. And there's some truth of that in Scripture, but this really helped me. And it'll help us today as we talk about these ungodliness and, and, and worldly passions. Here's what it says in Galatians 5, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Desires of the flesh, worldly passions, same thing. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you're not to do whatever you want. 
It helped me so much to, to pray through that. God, there, there's a conflict going on, and it's my desires, my passion, my, my worldly passion, my fleshly, sinful nature, whatever you want to call it, and there's the Spirit of Jesus in me, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. Those two things are never going to agree. Some of us try to act like we don't have temptations. Just stop. We all have these temptations. We all have. We're attracted. we got to be taught to say no. It just doesn't happen. When we baptize whoever we baptize in a couple weeks, it's, not, it's, it's a miracle. It's supernatural. It's connecting. It's beautiful. We'll talk more about that next week. But what doesn't happen is you come up out of the water free of temptation. And man, if you think that, you're going you're gonna to hate life. Right? Temptations are coming in that moment. If I can understand and pray through at the beginning and during, hey, there's a conflict inside of me. The Spirit is in me, but I also have some desires that I know are against God. And there's a culture that says, hey, do what you want. Don't ever turn your back on what you want. But there's a, there's a beautiful, loving Spirit that guides me to say no to myself. Because the Spirit and my flesh are in conflict, and it's actually proof of a loving God. Well, I know. Some of you, the word no is such a bad word. How can no? Like no, right? We know that as parents. Loving parents say no, right? Can I go do this? I want to go stick the knife in the outlet. Mom, please. We'll see. No. That's a strong, that's a strong no, right? I can prove, even, I don't even know where you are, I can prove that this is a sign of a loving God. One from Scripture, let me go to the next chapter of Galatians 6, where he says, verse 7, Don't be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now here's the hard part. This is written to Christians in the church of Galatia. This is not to lost people. This is to people that belong and follow Jesus. Don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. If you want to abuse grace, if you want to say, hey, I know God is good and patient, so he'll meet me on the other side, and he will. But in the meantime, you're going to suffer some consequences, not because God's mad at you, but because sin leads to destruction. And he loved us so much, instead of saying, hey, I'm just going to send Jesus and save you, which is awesome, instead of just doing that and you're going to just destroy your whole life, but in heaven it'll all be made okay. Instead of that, he said, I'm going to send Jesus to save you, to, to love you, to rescue you, to adopt you, and then I'm going to teach you and transform you and protect yourself, not in heaven, but on this earth, from the pain. Because when you reap, when you sow, to the sinful nature, when you don't learn to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, the result is destruction. It destroys and hurts. And wouldn't it be great if it only hurt and destroyed me when I say yes to my worldly passions? Wouldn't it be great if when I said yes to sin, it only hurt my life? But we know in this room that's not true. We hurt the people we love the most. I said you could prove that it's a sign of a loving God from Scripture. You can also prove it from life. You know. We, we trace back the pain and trauma in our church. We have a lot of it, like any church does, and, and some of it is church trauma and pain. Right? Some of it is relational and family trauma and pain, sexually trauma, sexual trauma and pain. All of that goes back to somebody saying yes to ungodliness and worldly passions. It could be a pastor. It could be a teacher, it could be a spouse, it could be a parent. It could be, when someone just says, this is what I want to do. I don't want to stay anymore because I'm tired of it. And the ripples on lives are destructive. You don't have to believe in Jesus to know that's true. But I'm telling you, there's a God who loves you so much, He didn't just send Jesus. He sent Jesus and He gave you these beautiful commands. And He gave you a teacher in grace. It's going to help you learn. It's not something you come out of the baptism water with. we got to learn how to say no and celebrate when no is said. There's a difference between willpower and being taught by grace. Right? 
So, so you got an addiction. You got a, a secret sin. You just can't stop gossiping about whoever. This one lady at work, you're so nice to her in the hall, but you can't help yourself. As soon as you get back with your coworker, you're just like, did you see what, you know, whatever. Like you just do it. It's just, you don't even think about doing it because you do it. Whatever your thing is. Right? We, we, could, we could just say, we could put reminders. We could get somebody to text you tomorrow. Don't talk about Janice today. Right? And, and that's not bad, all those little tricks and reminders, right? But at the end of the day, it's not the same to, to will myself back to life, to will myself out of a problem, out of a sin, out of a, an addiction. Usually it doesn't last, but if it does, then you feel pretty self-righteous about yourself because you don't come in here and worship God. You worship yourself because I pulled myself out of the gutter. Glory to me. So when you succeed, you fail. And when you fail, you fail. That's so different. I'm going to try harder this week. Come on. Nobody. Don't hear that. That is not this message. I'm going to go try. Stop. I don't want you to try harder. God doesn't want you to try harder. That's different than I'm going to sit. In the classroom of grace with grace and Jesus himself as my teacher. And I got stuff. And I want to live sometimes like there is no God. And, and I got passions that I know have no business in the presence or will of God. And, and I'm going to let grace. What is grace? My standing that I'm saved, that I'm rescued, that I'm adopted, that he loved me at my worst. That truth, that reality, that relationship. I'm going to let that teach me to say no. It's a process. So different than willpower it starts with a decision obviously originally to follow jesus and if you're thinking about that if you're thinking about baptism we'd love to talk to you especially as we lead up to two weeks from now but but for today i wanted to talk to you that, that have made a decision to follow jesus what does it mean how do you sit in that classroom let me just give you two ways two things you can pray that i would challenge you to pray this week we got them a and b on the screen a this is something you would say to god God, here's a way I tend to say yes to ungodliness. I don't know what that is. That's why there's that blank. <laughs> here's a way that I tend to live like you're not relevant. Ungodliness is not always doing crazy garbage stuff. It's just, here's, a, here's an avenue, here's an arena, here's a bucket, here's a part, here's a, a lane of my life that I, I can sometimes tend to say, Yes to you not really being involved. Would, and, and say it to him. Say it out loud. Would you, would you use grace to teach me how to say no to that this week? Name something. Bring it to God. Call it ungodliness. We all got it. And instead of trying harder, God, would you mentally and in my heart connect your grace, what you did for me, who you say I am, with me saying no to living like that this week. B, God, here's a, here's a worldly passion that I struggle to say no to. We all have this. Something that if there was no, here's how you can kind of figure out what that is. If I could prove to you today that God is not real, He doesn't exist, there's no God. Well, then I'm, here, here's, here's what I'm going to doing. Right? There's something I want to do, but I don't do because of God. Right? That's a worldly passion. We're all tempted to that. We don't want you to not do it just because there is a God. We want grace to teach us that that's not best for me. And not only does He not want me to do it, as I sit in the classroom of grace, I don't want to do it. What once was a worldly desire becomes, it is exposed, right? And I start to see it for how God sees it. And then I'm going to have other worldly passions because we never get rid of that in these bodies. But we're allowing grace to teach us. But it starts with naming it. God, here's a passion. It's not a passion from you. Like I just love music or I love art or I love this. Like those are passions that God gave you. This is a worldly passion that is against God. There's something I want and you say that's not best for me. And I struggle to believe it. I want to do it. I want to be it. I want to say it. I want to type it. I want to. But would you teach me to say no with your grace? You talk about a testimony, right? We, we want, sometimes we want the testimony. Hey, I started going to church when I was 10. 
And I've really never had any passions and worldly ungodliness issues. And it's been so great. That testimony does not exist. Worldly passions. So some of you, every time I say that, you're thinking Vegas. It's, yes, some of that. But worldly passions can be all kinds of things that are not Vegas, that are not partying, that are not even sexual. There's a ton of worldly desires to achieve, to be, to live on your own, to be better than, to, to whatever, whatever. We all have them if we can name them and not just say god take it away that's not the testimony i've been sitting in the classroom and i'm i'm giving time in my day to dwell on what you've done who i am that i'm a co-heir with the jews i am i'm receiving an inheritance i'm going to meet you face to face you're going to love and hug me when you see me because i'm righteous and holy because of jesus i'm your son or daughter you bought me you love me you know me that is who i am now let that reality teach me god teach me from your grace to say no it ain't just no originally i was going to do this whole verse in one week it's like we need a whole week on no so we can do a whole week on yes next week because there's there's something grace is going to teach you to say yes to but today i want to just pray together that we would learn from grace to say no would you stand up i'm gonna read this verse over you and pray pray you home Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It, what is it? The grace of God. It teaches us. It is the best instructor. It is a patient instructor. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Father, you have so clearly called us to be different. Not self-righteous. Not better than, not judgmental, not critical, but you have called us to be set apart, to live different lives, not on our own strength or our own power, but but evidence that Jesus is real. God, there is a whole broken, dying world in Wake County, Greater Raleigh, in our country and in the world. There's a whole broken, dying world that doesn't think you can help them because they know Christians that are no different than they are. God, help us not just try to be different. Help us sit under the teaching of grace and believe that you're going to transform us day by day like only you can. And help us get excited about saying no. God, I pray your spirit would be so personal right now in this moment, in this prayer, that those those in this room would be really seeking you on on what it is that they need to start saying no to or, or, or maybe a more firm no or more excited no. God, would you just help us sit in the classroom of grace and never leave? Would your grace teach us specifically and individually this week to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions so we can say yes to the life you created us to live? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep pounding. Go Panthers. Have a great week.